I guess you. I guess you're not. You know, you're Jewish, so maybe yeah. You but I know Christmas you know music. Night. I yeah. have a Christmas tree. Yeah. I have the you do only. You have a very festive Christmas. Tree. I have the only Jewish Christmas yeah. tree on the block. Wow. Well, so what makes it a Jewish Christmas tree? Because I'm Jewish. You just. I mean, maybe you had like Jewish decorations or something. There know. are no Jewish yeah. decorations because <laughs> Jews don't have Christmas trees. Well, you know, I mean, I was you know working with you. Well, um, so I'm married. Yeah. I'm married to an atheist who was sure. raised. Unitarian, and sure. he got a bunch of his like German Lutheran great grandmothers, mm-hmm. the good old shit. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and then like my mom, yeah. you know, was also raised Lutheran, even though we were raised. It, it doesn't matter. The right. point is, is that I like a good Christmas tree. Not only is it pretty, yeah, it's very pretty. It smells really good. Yep. My cats enjoy it. Is that a real one? You got out there? Yes, it's a, a Fraser fur. I thought it was a fake one. Yeah, because it, it's so beautiful. It's very beautiful. I know. Yeah. Wow. I know. I got yeah. it at a um, at a tree lot at a Catholic school in wow. St. Paul, and it Shout was $40. Out to the Catholics. Yeah, they had uh, some good quality trees. <laughs> I got mine aqua- across from the YMCA the year before, and it was way more expensive. Yeah. I've only ever had two trees on my own, so this is my second one. I feel like I'm doing it right. Well, congratulations. Thank it's a very you. Beautiful tree. It's a very beautiful I Jewish tree. I felt very tree. festive walking in. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know, folks. It's the it's the holiday party. It's the print run holiday party. If you've been with us in years past, um, you know what that means. And it most a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> not necessarily a whole lot of nothing, but it does mean that we're here hanging out. It means that we're probably gonna you know consume some of this champagne that's on the table. Uh, We've already we, had more than half of the bottle that we procure. No, you already had more than half of the bottle um, that we procured. Before I've recording, just been called out in my own home. <laughs> that we uh, procured before coming here because we are, I don't know, it's what you do at a holiday party, right? You have yourself yeah. a little beverage and you. My first experience yeah. in did you ever publishing. Go to, yeah, I was going to ask, what's your crazy publishing story? So, my first holiday publishing story mm-hmm. was when I was working at a um, nonfiction publisher in the UK. Mm hmm. And I was like 21 and it was whatever. And then apparently, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Brits take business Christmas parties like super seriously. Hmm. And so, yeah, so we go to this restaurant and there's like unlimited wine and beer and they have those like holiday crackers that have the crowns on them and like jokes and like all sorts of like silly toys. So I you're would sitting love to there. Hear one of the jokes. I don't remember, remember the joke, it. but they were in the realm yeah. of my favorite joke of all time, which uh-huh. is where does a general keep his armies? Oh god, what? In his sleeves. Welcome <laughs> to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, Laura Zatz. Uh, say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. Um, I figured that was a good moment to kind of get people into the show. Not that you should <laughs> not continue your story. I was just overwhelmed uh, by the 
by the joke. It by was that, but it was like Christmas, there, yeah. but it was like Christmas sure. themed. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, it was like really fun to see like an old like quirk expert yeah. wearing a tissue paper crown. So I don't know if they, I don't know if they still do it um, the way they used to. But when I was at Oxford University Press, they used to have their holiday party every year in the basement of the Empire State Building at this at that what's it that called? That is Heartland. not a fun Heart- place, I think, out yeah. of all the Empire State. <laughs> it's places. pretty good. It's a brewery down there. It's called like is Heart- it really? I want to. It's like Heartland or so- something like that. I think it's called Heartland. Um, but it's fun, and I remember we would go down there, and it was you know it's like free food and stuff, and I. My enduring memory of the place is just eating as many mozzarella sticks as I could humanly consume. Like well, you're well, a growing boy. Like well past being full. Just like trying to. Because <laughs> you couldn't eat for the week. Yeah. <laughs> just like wandering through this. Because it's like a big area. There were like lots of stations. And my shower was like, all right, if you just. If you just rotate stations, no one will realize that all you're doing at this party, instead of only like eating networking sticks. and conversing with colleagues, um, is just pounding down the sticks. Um, which People, was a g- we used to have every like two, three Sundays when I was in college. They uh-huh. used to have like mozzarella sticks on Sunday the night yeah. after everybody was hungover. Yeah. And in my third year there, they stopped doing it because people were eating too many mozzarella sticks, and I feel like that. <laughs> Like There's energy. like HR complaints about it. <laughs> it's really good. We can't handle it. Yeah. The um, sticks are out of control. Yeah, the sticks were, in fact, out of control. Um, <laughs> great party, though. I hope they're still doing that. I just uh, can picture you, like, OUP. covered in breadcrumbs yeah. and grease. Yeah. No. Um, really <laughs> did good. Did anybody ever, like, show their ass at these, at these, what did you do what besides I, eating what, the mozzarella sticks? What makes you think I am the one showing my ass? I'm nice. Because we're at this holiday good. party and I understand what you're like at a holiday party. <laughs> I'm nice and good and wholesome. Um, no, it wasn't ever me, but people would consume a little too much. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, anytime you've got a big company like that, like there's, you know, there's bad blood here and there. Or there's like pent up rage about, you know, like maybe there was like some production deadline you've been arguing about for like months and well now's your chance to really let out how you feel you know like and in between shots of tequila in between well it, it was it was mostly beer at this place um which was Makes a sense. good decision like i think <laughs> one thing that i do think is right for a holiday party with a big uh, group of people no is like, don't let the liquor in cuz that's letting the devil in with it so <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so we are <laughs> We're at the end of 2019. Question for you. Okay. So yeah, if sure, this please. is if this is our holiday party, uh huh, yeah, which is not any different, honestly. Like we usually record sitting in this room all by ourselves. Yeah, this mostly with just feels wine. like work. Yeah. The only thing that's different is that we have champagne, and actually, technically, it's not champagne. I think it's California sparkling wine. Really? And darn it, I picked the wrong thing. Well, champagne can I think only can be from the region of France, oh but maybe God. they've changed that oh recently. I'm not sure. Somebody should add us with the real answer to that. Uh-huh. But the whole point is, what is like our equivalent of like holiday party photocopying your ass cheeks? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I don't know, but I do will say that I think it's a, it would be an incredibly funny bit to like. Be like the boss of a publisher or something and like hold a holiday party and like get everybody in the room and then just like have them work like they normally do. <laughs> like you're talking about just like just like oh, really yeah. fancy. Just like give them just like put a little Christmas music on in the background and then just like have an editorial meeting instead. <laughs> just like, <laughs> that'd be very funny. Um, but 
No, I don't know. What I don't know. Well, you and I. So that that is the thing, right? Like I feel like the impetus behind this episode and behind this sentiment that you and I have every year, where it's like, man, we want to like. We miss the company party, right? But the problem is that at this point, especially... We're just... We're the company. Like, this is the first year, truly, especially now that you and I have branched off into our own agency. Like, we really are just... Like, this is the whole... The whole company's here. Like, perfect attendance at the party right yep. here in this little room. Excellent. Um, which is... Which is fine, I guess. I don't... You know... <laughs> I'm not a social person who thrives on the, you know, presence of coworkers yeah. and colleagues. We were able to go to a company Christmas party this oh, year. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, together. the coffee house party was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had good, really good cookies. Incredible um, music. Yeah, really. It was all... It was very good. They, they sent us home with a mixtape, which, like, wow. shout out. Yeah. Wow. I have a copy. You can oh, burn it. Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to that. So, like... Anybody, no matter where you are in the world, please invite us to your Christmas party. We're really fun, is the thing. We're really fun. Like, we, you know, we banter. Sometimes we... We eat a lot of mozzarella sticks. I I was going to say, I pace around and evenly distribute my presents amongst various (laughs) snack trays so as to not appear rude. At this this, um, coffee house, which is a a, a really, really fabulous local publisher. Um, Hello, if you're listening, because I know you are. Um... Yeah, no, they had they had a bunch of it was like a cookie potluck. So you come in and you get to try everybody's yeah, cookies, yeah. and a lot of them were like themed to the books of this publisher. Yeah, and it was incredible. No, it was really good. It was a lot of fun. I like having a small theme rather than like just get loose. Right, you got to keep people focused. Yeah. Um. So to keep us focused, I have a question for you. Yes, Laura. What was the worst <laughs> book you read this year? Unless because we when we so when we prepped. We were talking about the best books we read yes. this year. And I'm less interested in that. I'm actually more interested in because we're gonna get a little messy. Oh my god. What's the worst? Oh my book god, you read I hated the, the testaments. Book? Oh yeah. By okay, Margaret good. Atwood. Okay. Wow. I hated it. She's coming out guns blazing, folks. Pew, pew. Um <laughs> wait, hold on. <laughs> there that we was go. by request, right? That like was someone, by request. Someone wanted to hear the gong. We did put out a call for like loose things you wanted us to talk about on this episode honestly the only reason you haven't been hearing the gong is because the mallet fell on the floor in a way that was like hard to get at and i just didn't bother so just as you consider that it's been there for months it's been on the shut up eric and like so we're in normal chairs and the floor is at most two feet below (laughs) anyway um, but it was like around the mic so i would have had to have like walked around the mic and like done the yeah I'm lazy. It's yeah. fine. So you didn't like the testament. I hated it. Um, I mean, like technically, it was a well, like it was, it was a. I mean, it yeah. was a fine, fine, right? But, but I hated it. Okay. Um, well, I guess if you want to know, I mean, probably the reason you hate it is all the reasons we've talked about. Yeah. Um, that book on past episodes, so we probably don't need to get into. Well, it Well, I hated it because of the stuff around it, but I yeah. also like hated the conceit of it because what yeah. it did is all of the really beautiful, like, assumptions that you had to make and all of the implications of the of the Handmaid's Tale were mm-hmm. just like became less horrifying the more they were exposed. I yeah. think. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I haven't read it. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. Don't. <laughs> don't read it. The only show that is explicitly not recommending books. Um, <laughs> that's good. Um, I'm trying to think of what Miley's favorite book is because it feels unfair just to ask you to answer such a question. Wait, you came in guns blazing with that question and didn't have an answer for yourself? Laura, I like every book equally. 
That's they're not all true. my beautiful children. That's really um, not true. Everyone did their best in producing them and making them. Um, I guess, like, actually, I've been I have been thinking about it. I'm reading a book right now that I am not enjoying. I will say that. But you're still actively um, reading it. I'm giving it a few more pages. I think I'm on like page seventy. Okay. I mean, sure. it's a really long book, which is not helping. What me. is the book? So it's called. And again, like, this is actually not. Do not take this as a negative review of the book. Take this as an issue I am having with it so far. Um, it's called The Starless Sea. Um, mm. It's by the author of The Night Circus. Yeah. Uh, I, um, yeah. I, I, that's on my to-do yeah. list. My to-read list. It's a to-do list. And so, like, be it's, been, it's been a while since I've read, like, you know, there's, like, there's literary fiction, right? And then there's, like, the next category over, which is, like, very well stylized commercial fiction that is mostly which is what aaron morganston yeah exactly which is like really fun and like like you show up to it because it's got like really like intricate plots and like fun stuff going on and it's like well paid you like that kind of thing right Mm -hmm. and all of that is true in this book but i'm having a real problem with it on like a line by line level like it's very it's got a ton actually here's what it is it's got a ton of that one technique that happens a lot in this kind of book where you get a like the one sentence paragraph meant for dramatic effect oh yeah you know the problem with doing that again and again and again (laughs) it gets less dramatic yeah it's it's just like very much trying to get me to be or feel dramatic and it's like i would but you got we've got to string a few sentences together in a row here just to like get me into it a little so i'm like having a little bit of and i probably I, i like came to it from some much more like prosaic stuff. So I'm like, maybe so the not book the probably right. isn't that long. No, no, no. The book yeah. probably just has a lot of one word. That paragraphs. actually is true. It's reading really quickly. Um, and like, to be clear, I love the story. Like I'm having a good time. It's just like, I keep finding myself kind of pulled out by the, by the syntax by the, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So what, um, so then on the other side, what was your favorite book this year? <clears throat> Man, that's a tough one because I think there are a couple. You options. can, you can have a couple. I'm going to throw in a, a couple. Faves. I will say the book that I enjoyed most from start to finish, um, just thorough enjoyment, unceasing throughout, was uh, Karen Russell's Orange World. You love a good Karen Russell. I love Karen Russell, and I love, in particular, I loved this collection of stories. I thought that they were, um, apart from being well-crafted and well-written, just really, like, interesting. I don't know if you've read it, but, like, her premises are always, like, every time she writes something... She's a little like, left to center. Well, she well she's just so, like all the stuff she writes, it's so inventive and interesting, mm-hmm. just on like a literal level. Like in one story, like this woman becomes like inhabited or possessed by a tree. You know what I mean? Like it's like fun shit. Like honestly, one, that sounds like a dream. Yeah, no, it's really it's like really fun. That one one guy like gets in a relationship with a two thousand year old like corpse he pulls out of a bog. Like I'm telling you, the stories are fun as hell. You should absolutely read this book. It's like really apart from be like Eric loves bog women. Story yeah, the story at is, nine. It, it was you can even go look it up in the New Yorker, I think that story. It's called The Bog Girl. Excellent, excellent stuff. Like I really I really find her work to be fun and good. And I remember really enjoying that book. Um, otherwise I would say um it was not perfect all the way through, but I really loved uh, Valeria Lucelli's Lost Children Archive. I thought that was that was my man Booker pick too. If you recall, mm. it did not win, but um, I thought that it might, given its topicality, given its inventive structure, all that kind of stuff. No, like, the Testaments uh, won, and the Testaments <laughs> was garbage. Um, <laughs> so, 
And then the last one I'll throw in because I think it's one that maybe fewer people have heard of than these last two is uh, Scribe by Allison Hagee. Um, I read that one. That might actually be a 2018 book, but it was like November last year and I read it in January. It counts um, as 2019. And that was just it – was, it's like this book kind of set um, – in the you know in the mountains so it's got good like mountain lore shit going you on you love mountains which i do really love um so that was good Th- so those three are the ones that kind of stick mm. out to me um otherwise i don't know i read one thing so this is one thing i tried to do this year and this is my big corrective coming for next year Are you ready yeah um i read basically every book that everyone tweeted about all year in mm. the literary fiction world like I read all the new releases. I mean, I bought a lot of books on Pub Day this year. Like, I was, like, ready on Tuesday, you know, the day it comes out. I was there. I was buying new stuff. I was reading new stuff. I was trying to stay up on the conversations, the criticism cycles, all that kind of stuff. I, like, made a real effort for 12 months to follow, like, the contemporary fiction scene in a way that I really never – like. Do you usually, feel like you are more well-rounded or better as a agent or a person having done that? I feel much that? worse. I feel much worse. Really? I think that, I, think that I have um, regressed in whatever ways you just described, and I will not be doing it again. Um, because it's – I mean, I, I could go forever on this, and I won't. But, like, I just hate – like, we are really in a bad place with, like, the hype cycle stuff. Mm. Um, and this is something we talked to Nathan Goldman about when we had him on about like publicity cycles and like blurbing and how that kind of relates to, um, you know, the criticism, you know, that comes out on books and stuff. But like, um, I just think that it's when every single book you're told is the book of the year and I'm making a, and I made a project out of like, okay, well I'm going to read that book and let's see what you see what it is. Like you mostly quit reading things because they catch your eye. And you start, that is a problem. You know what I'm saying? And you start reading because everyone else is telling you to read it. And like what I found is that I read a lot of stuff that I didn't really like. Mm. And I guess in a way it's useful because you sort of come to certain conclusions about how the scene shapes. So like I feel like I learned a lot about contemporary fiction <laughs> in a way that I suppose is probably useful for my job, you know, as someone who wants to sell those kinds of books. Like, But I will not be – on an enjoyment level, I would not recommend doing that because yeah. – like so like what I'm one thing I'm excited to do this next year is read older stuff as in like last five years, you know, the things that I missed that really seem kind of good that I felt this year like I didn't have time for because I was trying to chase the calendar a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will not be I will not be chasing new releases next year. So that. I did something this year. Yeah. And f- so for the yeah. last three years, I've been keeping track of the books that I read. And so I just just, you know, I end up probably being. Somewhere between 70 and, 80, 70 and 80 books for fun a year. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and this That's a year. a lot of books. Well, by the audio, way. dude. I think I read probably like 30. Yeah, but you don't read in audio. I don't. No. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like all the times I was driving, Man. I could be doing that. Um, so you get in a lot of, lot of hours a day, even if you don't crack a spine. Um, but so one of the things that I've been able to do with that is keep kind of an accounting of the types of books I've been going in. And I've I've noticed a couple of things. I've noticed that there are certain times where I'm definitely in a certain vibe space mm-hmm. for like a couple of weeks or a couple of months. I'll, I'll be into something really specific. Um, and so 
And, and what that is, is I've also made a really concerted effort to to look for that vibe outside of my categories. Yeah. So my categories yeah. are um, young adult and then adult science fiction, fantasy and romance. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of my favorite books, I have two favorites. My favorite that's inside of my categories was Meddling Kids by Edgar Cantero. Okay. That book is a few years old. Sure. Um, sure. But it's it's basically like if Scooby-Doo and It had a baby in the Cthulhu mythos. <laughs> so, like, it's basically like the the, the conceit Man, of fun. It where, like, the, the adults come back and they yeah. have to, like, face <clears throat> something that they did away with in their childhood. Yeah. Um, but it's Scooby-Doo, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a it's a correlative Scooby-Doo. Yeah. yeah. Um, with, like, a Cthulhu-type big bad. And I just thought it was fun as hell. Um, and exactly kind of hitting in that nostalgia. I was a huge Scooby-Doo fan when I was a kid. Right. Like, I watched yeah. all... Anytime Scooby-Doo yeah. came on, I watched it. Yeah. Um, particularly, like, the old ones. And so that one was my favorite inside of my categories. Shaggy and then, needs to grow up and get a job, though. I didn't like Shaggy. That was a bad, who, who bad thing your, to say. Who is <laughs> your, fa- who is your favorite? <laughs> Who else was going to watch Scoob, Eric? <sighs> Who was your favorite? I bet it was. Scoob! Like yeah. Scoob! Yeah, it yeah. was no good. I can't. Yeah. I can't have I can't that. do it. I don't know who my favorite was. I mean. Freddie wore an ascot. Freddie did wear an ascot, and he rocked it, King. Like, I love that guy. He did good. Though he was always kind of a little too much like the leader man, you know? Yeah. Like, how about you let how about you let one of the women lead, Fred? I mean, Velma was always the one that can saved we, the like, day. Can we, like, cancel Freddy on this show? <laughs> I mean, sure. We sh- we can. Um, as long as we don't cancel Velma because no, Velma she's the best. Good. Velma was good. She was the one who, like, knew everything, right? She was the yeah. one that knew everything. Because she had glasses. She did. That was her character, yeah. yeah. Well, she, yeah. Al- she often didn't have glasses. They were, like, on the ground and yeah. she couldn't find them. Yeah, and she couldn't find them because yeah. she was legally blind. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so highly recommended. My other one. <laughs> um, so the big thing that none of you guys know about me, um, and I don't think I've ever publicly shared, but now's oh my the time. God, please. Get ready for wow. it. Um my when I'm like tired or stressed or whatever, I am a huge, huge, like rabid fan of mysteries. Hmm. Particularly like cozies. Um and so let's just put it this way. I had Do you want them in your inbox or not? Uh, I like mysteries inside of the other categories that I do. Okay. But um, but they're they're kind of like my thing, you know. So I don't think I'll yeah. ever rep mystery like the genre. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they're they're like, they're they're mine. Like right. they're fun, right? But so to put it this way, I went through all twelve seasons of Murdoch Mysteries mm-hmm. on yeah on streaming. Um, mm-hmm. so, and that was like this fall. I had a you know busy fall, whatever. Um, but so one of my favorites that I've really, really loved is um, <clears throat> the whole series, but particularly this first one, which is Sherry Thomas's um, A Study in Scarlet Women, which is basically a reimagining of the classic Sherlock Holmes. But if Sherlock Holmes and, and Watson were women hmm. and it's huh? like super, super clever <clears throat> Um, it's, it's a ton of fun. It's yeah, it's super, super good. So love me 
a good classic sure. mystery when it is for fun and not in my inbox because I want to keep something sacred. But that highly recommended. Keeping something sacred. So what she means by that is not working explicitly as an agent on a category of books you would otherwise enjoy. Right. And you got to have one thing like, that you love that you don't do for work. Yeah. No, I mean. I think about that's something I thought about a lot this year, too, like because I was trying. It felt like I was reading for work. Right. Because I was picking up books that people were talking about. And this is good. I think actually like in a vacuum, I don't regret doing this, even if I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Like keep talking. I'm pouring more champagne. (laughs) Um, It's one of those things where, you know, I found myself picking up things that I wouldn't have otherwise done. So I was finding books that, okay. This wouldn't necessarily have caught my eye, but I see everyone talking about it, so let's see what it's all about. And, like, the result was that very often I felt as though I was reading for work, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I was reading on a more analytical level. Like, I found myself this year reading as a means of trying to figure out what was making something tick Mm -hmm. as opposed to reading it because I liked it, you know? Which I guess was, like, this was a really, you know, I did a lot of writing this year, too, and so it was useful in that regard to kind of think critically about craft and stuff you know and try to work that into my own work or whatever it is however people do that but like i don't know i think next year i'm gonna really try to have like a reassessing of my own tastes is how i'm framing it in my little diary um yeah that's nice (laughs) wait did you actually put Um, it in your diary no comment um so (laughs) it's Anyway, I love that we're not litigating um, whether or not you have a diary. We're just asking oh, whether I or not very I much have it. it. Do you not? You have a diary? Come on. I don't have a diary. You don't have a diary? I. I every functioning adult needs a diary. <laughs> How else are you supposed to keep your secrets? Uh, if you I don't tell scroll my them by night into a little notebook. Well, so I've got a little notebook of secrets. I'm, what do you have? You've got nothing. <laughs> so I had a journal when I was a teenager, uh-huh. and I was really good at it for about like a year. Mm-hmm. See, the and fact then, that you're saying that you're good or bad at it and then means you're not ready to journal. I looked – I mean, like, I did it often. And then okay. I looked back on it, mm-hmm. and it was just all, like, breathy whisperings of, like, a boy that mm-hmm. looked at me for two seconds That's what on the street. Right now, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, we don't – this doesn't right. need to be written down. Like, right. we can be done with that. And I just, like – yeah, I think mm-hmm. I kept them. Um, Cause there had a couple that were that were full, but mm-hmm. like I think I kept them, and I think I maybe when I moved into this house, I got rid of them. I was like, we wow. don't we don't need the like breathy fifteen year old Laura like popping back up <laughs> half a lifetime later. Oh man. Anyway, um, I think we should turn to the listeners. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Um, so, like I said, we put out a call today, just you know, because maybe there are lingering things people are wondering about. So we just had your reply if you wanted to hear us quickly address something. So here's a question for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Thoughts on submitting to pubs, and here he means publications, uh, with open submission calls while querying agents. Good or bad idea? It seems like a fine idea to me. Right? Yeah, it does, provided with the fact that you are like sure that your book is like pretty ready. Yeah. Um. And like, I would so exp- caution. Explain what you mean by that. So, so a lot of the times, and I've, and I actually talked to a couple of people today who queried, and then later they were like, I, kn- I knew the book wasn't ready, but I like I shot my shot. Right. That mm-hmm. is not something that you want to do with a publisher, um, because really you only want to be submitting to the open submission period of publishers that ostensibly your agent would still want to work with. 
So mm. instead of like a tiny like one person, you know, micro press, like unless that's what you want, in yeah. which case, great. Yeah. But like if you are simultaneously submitting a manuscript to like a source books yeah. or a Karina. And if it's a place an agent might also take it. Right. Yeah. Because then what you can do is if that place offers, you can go to your the agents that you queried and be like, yo, I got a contract. I would like say I got that's the offer. ideal situation. That is the ideal sort of situation. Like you getting, just, yeah. yeah. You just got to make sure that you're not like shooting a shot that's not ready to be shot yet. Right. right. No, I agree with that assessment. Um, and then the second part of it um, asked for here and let me let me pull it up. Um, also a segment that's just Laura and Eric's dogs talking to each other about their thoughts on Amazon's foothold in the world of canine toys and treats. So our dogs don't know anything about Amazon's foothold in the world of canine treats because Moose doesn't understand toys. She only um, likes b- bones and other dogs and all of Nico's toys come from Moose's cast offs. I mean, the other thing to understand about my dog is that his brain is the size of a walnut. Um, he's just a little... I don't even know how to describe it. He's almost one. I know. He Isn't does, that incredible? He does, <laughs> um, he does turn one next week. Um, he has the same birthday as my wife, actually. So really? Be, yeah, that'll be very funny. Oh, well, you can never forget now. I know. That'll be a very funny day. Um, but it's, yeah, the thing with him is that he would love to have a conversation because all he does, especially on this podcast, because as soon as I start recording this podcast, he starts shouting at me. That's true. Like, he I, wants to be on. He has lots I think to say. It, I hope that it came through a little bit in the last show, but like very seriously, I did all this work, right? So I've got this I've got this dog at home. He's this little baby. He's very like I don't know, it's like having a toddler in some ways, probably, right? Like you just gotta like manage them sometimes. And what that meant, I was like, okay, I'm recording with Laura in the evening. So I'm gonna do all the stuff to make sure this dog is asleep mm-hmm. while we're doing that. So we went on a big walk. We played some ball. We did all this stuff. We did everything, like everything I know how to do to make this dog tired. As soon as he heard Auntie Laura's voice, it was <laughs> it was over. And he still just as soon, and he was even for like the half an hour before I let him get settled. He got all settled, and as soon as he started hearing me talk on the phone, down the stairs yelling at me. And then when <laughs> I didn't come up, he ran back up the stairs and started tearing open the couch. Um, this is my nightmare. It happens all the time. Um, I don't really do any work anymore. I mostly just walk up and down the stairs waiting for the dog to quit tearing up whatever the piece of furniture of the day is. Um, but other than that. But he does um, love Moose Moose's toys. That's yeah, basically yeah. where he gets his toys from. Yeah. No, he, he does. Because any toy I buy him, he immediately tries to eat. I think you just buy. See, I, Moose. The is, problem, to be clear, yeah. the problem is definitely me. I'm the bad person <laughs> so, here. Like, so here's it, the, the thing. dog is nice and good. So here's the yeah. thing you buy toys for like your nice, like golden retriever mixes. Yeah, that's what I, I have. Though. I buy toys based on my previous dog, which was mm-hmm. an American Staffordshire Terrier, also known as a pit bull. Mm-hmm. So, like, I am used yeah. to getting, you know, the the treats that cannot be completely wrecked. Moose, unfortunately, even though I bought her all of these beautiful toys, she only knows how to play with two things, dogs and other bones. So, yeah. So we have to go to the butcher often and get her, like, the fancy, gigantic, like, cow femurs. Yeah. And then in, like, a day, it'll be just, like... In a third, the, the third the size of what it really was. 
Okay, so I'm going to pivot us back toward. Please. Back toward relevance. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, no, that toward... was relevant. That was part of a question. You're right. Someone did ask us that. Um, and someone else asked for a holiday recipe. Okay. So, but we're, we're... Wait, real quick. Okay. I've got one real yeah. quick. Yeah. So, first of all, if you're feeding a crowd, go on to Siri It's Eats and find <laughs> Kenji's recipe for carnitas. If you want something desserty that everybody's going to be incredibly impressed by, mm-hmm. take your food processor out. Mm-hmm. Take one package of Oreos. Throw that shit in there. Hell yeah. Hell then yeah. take one container, one box of cream cheese. Throw that shit in Don't there. Don't hurt them. Don't hurt them. Blitz em. it all together. Then what you do, <laughs> then what you do, throw it in the fridge yeah. for a little bit. When it's cool, roll them into balls. Mm-hmm. Put them in the fridge again. Ideally in the freezer. Yep. And then dip them in bittersweet chocolate. Whoop. Bing, bang, boom. Oreo balls. Oreo truffles, yeah. Um, They're incredible. They are really good. I have had those from you. They're delicious. I know. You can um, have your Christmas cookies once you give me my tin back. Well, the tin still has last year's cookies in it, so I can't. can't. Even, maybe you don't deserve cookies this, this is, year. This, this is of the same decision as the car pie, if you remember correctly. Ah, yes, the car um, pie. I like to save the desserts, um, but anyway. Until they're absolutely <laughs> a bad idea to eat. Yeah, I'm surprised I lived through that. That tasted nasty, um, which is a great <laughs> chance to talk about our favorite moments of the year. Mm. Um and so, not that we need to like go through highlights or whatever, but like, what, like, what was your favorite part of this year? Because we did a lot, you know. Like, we sort yeah. of got up to some stuff. Like, I loved the really big flex that we won an award for best podcast in publishing the same day we launched our agency. Yeah, that was fun. That was yeah. a good day. Yeah. Um, that was gonna be that. I was gonna say my favorite thing was running out of the award ceremony after they gave us our little thing. Like, and immediately just going like to dinner. <laughs> like we didn't like sit. We just like ran out of there and and left. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I also yeah. really loved um, when we donated over a thousand dollars to reproductive rights in the South. That was fanatic. That was well, nice. so we didn't donate it. They the people who people sent us. So that was a, that was a good thing. That happened this yeah. year. We did, I guess, like... People bought query yeah. um, critiques from us, and we used that money, and we donated all of it to... And that's, like, yeah. like one thing that I do really like about this project, as in, like, Print Run, and something that I think we're going to be building on moving forward and all that kind of stuff is, like, the community around this show, and we've said this at different points, and I want to kind of bring it here Again, because it's the end of the year, we're kind of in a retrospective mood. But, like, the people who listen to the show and really engage with us frequently, not only do they, you know, they help make us better, you know what I mean? They they sort of serve as sort of an interlocutor. Mm-hmm. They help us see, you know, things that we don't like. One thing, if I want to know what's going on in publishing, one thing that I just do is I just open up the Print Run Twitter's accounts notifications because people just send us stuff, right? Like, they show us things. They say, hey... What do you think of this? Or, hey, I'm thinking about this. What about, like, and so there's just, like, this back and forth we have with this community. And sometimes what that means is that when something much more severe happens than anything going on in the book world, you know, like this, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the time, you know, we did one for um, the border organization. Um, we did one for um, the reproductive rights group in Mississippi, um, all that kind of stuff, like, when real stuff starts happening, this is a group that's ready to go because they're engaged, right? Like, and so if we can use our little, you know, if we can provide the one little thing that you and I can provide as fairly unskilled people, you know, if we can 
do a query critique that gets people interested. Kind of mean rug though. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Um, you know, if that gets people invested and donated, like I don't know, it's just such a every time we do something like that and people are into it and they're ready to kind of throw their actual resources behind a project, you know, to really help people. That makes me feel really good and that makes me feel like this show is creating the kind of community that I only hope to grow in mm. this in the coming year. And that's like I don't know, like someone asked like what do you you know in our replies today, like what are you most looking forward to to twenty twenty? More of and, that. And it's like it's more of that. And especially now like like one thing, you know, the show is kinda always um, you know, you and I think pretty frequently about how to grow it, what to do next. Like and it's just so breathable and part of that is because like people are still more and more people are still engaging with it. And so like our options for what we can do are much different today than they were at the beginning of this year, right? Like we can, like we've got ideas for things in the new year that are, I think really, I, we hope you guys are going to be really excited about because they make us excited because we know that there's this community around this show that we more, more than like feeling like it's around the show. It's like maybe print run kind of offers just like one meeting place among many for this type of person. And we're happy to be one of those places. And it's like exciting to help kind of facilitate that and get people talking and stuff. And like, we're going to try to offer a lot of those sorts of opportunities this coming year is our thing. And that makes me, so to answer the question, like, what are we excited about? That makes me really excited. Just knowing the different sorts of initiatives and things like, and just projects that whether it's about book commentary and stuff like we always do, or whether it's about, using the fact that this also is a progressive crowd that's interested in seeing a better world, you know, and like, um, you know, we can push on that a little bit, you know, and like we had, like we posted this the other day, um, but, you know, someone, someone reached out to, you know, someone sent us a note that said like, hey, um, you know, that they liked the show and then they kind of told a, a joke about how, we made them feel a little less optimistic about being a writer, which like, um, I fair, get, but oh, totally, no, it's fair. No. And to be clear, like this person made it clear they were being sarcastic, but like, and it is fair. And I guess we would also say like, that's the point of the show, man. It's like, we we're all in this as, you know, people just trying to figure it out. And in the moments where we're learning something from you guys and yeah. you're showing up, you know, or we're showing you something like, it more feels, than a yeah. vehicle, more than a vehicle that promises you success in exchange for money or whatever. What print run is really like what's been really crystallized, I think, this year for us is that this doesn't belong to us in the way that a lot of things belong to a lot of creators. Like very much this is more than anything, like you hear us through your earballs, but um it's it's really like a two-way street where we're all trying to figure out together what it really means yeah. to be creators and to work in this yeah. business. Yeah. Um and in a way that I think is really hopeful but is also really clear-eyed. Yeah. And is, you know, like that's it it feels yeah. So one of the things is looking forward to 2020. We can't really talk about a lot of these things yet, but we're looking for ways to really invest in that that 
service element where yeah. we will serve the larger publishing community. We will serve causes we care about, but we will also serve you. Well, this well, that's the thing, right? It's like we, like we don't have like we're talking very high minded right now, but like you guys have been really good to us, you know. Like right now, this is a like mostly. It feels as though you know we've been doing this thing, and we have found more support than we probably deserve from like yeah. a really kind of robust community of people that you know are interested in listening to our stuff and all that kind of stuff. And it's like it'll be nice, I think, in twenty twenty to really be able to turn that around yeah. um, and to just like say, hey, with the support you've given us to help us grow we're able to now kind of do these things that hopefully can get, help you find a foothold too. And it'll be interesting to see how it happens. I think it's going to be like, it just makes me really excited. So. Yeah. And Eric and I are, we're being a little bit mushy. We got news today. So we're recording I'm never on mushy. I don't Monday, have December 16th. We got news today and unfortunately we're not able to share it with you until Friday, the end of this week. Um, but trust us that it's good and mm-hmm. that there are reasons for all of this, like, weeping and champagne that's going on. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's it's a good day. And it feels, um, yeah, you and I have had a very good day. Yeah. And to be clear, the news that we got was incredible. Like, it's incredible news. No, we're really, so, and it'll come out later. But, like, it's, um, I don't know. We're just ready. We're ready to get back to work. You know what I mean? Like, it's this will be a good year to do all kinds of stuff. And obviously, like... You know, you know, someone asked us about what's it, what was it like, and maybe I'll turn this on you. Like, mm-hmm. you, Laura Zatz. Yeah. So this is a different question. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Um, you opened a literary agency three months ago. I did. Or yeah, is it three? Yeah, three. Yeah, three um, months ago, almost exactly. What's been the most surprising part of that? Which part of it have you not have you not expected? Um. So I knew always that, like, the work, once you get it set up, the work is essentially the same. Right. Right? But one thing that I wasn't really prepared for is how many people considered it to be, like, deeply risky or brave. Um, yeah, and that's... It, was, it really drew... Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people. Good and bad, right? Like, yeah. yeah not even like a self in a, like a self congratulatory kind of way, but like people found. Yeah. But more. But more. I think what I'm getting at is that like I've I've seen that just because and like quite honestly, it's print run that allowed us to open Headwater. Yeah. Um, and it allowed us to develop the idea, but kind of beyond that, like. One thing that I realized is that the language around what people are allowed to do in publishing kind of on the back end is like it really is is still really affecting people. And yeah. one of the things is we just had Eric and I had two years to figure out that like we didn't have to listen to those voices. And so I guess we were going to do this thing on our own. Right. And so the response to that, what I wasn't prepared for is the amount of other people who are like, well, I didn't know that you could do that. I'm going to do something really cool now, well, which is it, awesome. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, to me, like, I think one of the reasons that we started doing any of this kind of stuff is, at least for me, it, it just felt like 
there was an element missing mm-hmm. in the publishing conversation, at least in popularized publishing media, about like what was happening to people. You know, mm-hmm. like layoffs, wages not really going up. Um, you know, a certain kind of book getting published at the expense of other kinds of books, all this different stuff. And I think it's been nice to kind of be a part of one of many voices in this conversation that's trying to, like, give people the tools and the vocabulary to talk about that stuff and connect it to other ideas, whether it's outside of publishing or, like, in just, like, broader labor concepts, you know what I mean? Like, and just, like... Get a union. Just, like, yep. showing people this is what's happening to you. as And as, a, as a, almost it's self-exploratory, right? Because, like, this show lines up with me, at least... Like we started it pretty soon after I went freelance after mm-hmm. being in. So it's like a lot of this stuff was like trying to work through ideas that we're still figuring out, you know what I mean? Or like trying to discern our own experiences. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I think that like it's just interesting to be. So like as, as it moves into like launching the agency or whatever, yeah, I mean, I think we were able to kind of do it in that same vein, and it it had the response so far has been has been encouraging, you know, or it's been, um, I guess, like if so, if you were to ask me, like, what's the most surprising part? It's it's two things. It's one, it's how seamless it's been, yeah, in its own way, because as you as you, it sounds like you were kind of more prepared for than me. The work stays the same, right? You're just Turns doing, out you're doing like, the same job. I'm working, you know, one day I'm working elsewhere. The next day I'm working under my own banner. I'm still talking to the same authors. I'm still working on the same books, all that kind of stuff. And so um, it was not the big, giant, dramatic change, I think, in in the good way. The other thing though, that was surprising is, like, there's no, like, you're it. You know what I mean? When someone <laughs> emails with a problem or when someone has you know, a question about a contractor when someone wants to talk to the agency, there's no boss to go confer to, you know, there's no, like, whatever the decision is, it's yours. And so there's been a certain amount of having to, like, grow into that role a little bit mm-hmm. that I think has been. But the good thing is that, like, and... I can be that for you and you are that for me. Yeah. So no, I mean, that's it's the same as anything. We're just figuring it out. You know? Yeah. And... But I, I think that's probably a, you know, we want to do one more episode before this year. This is a this is actually a good time to talk about <clears throat> schedules for print run. Um, so we will have one more episode that we will be launching for the new year. Um, so it'll, it should come out, I think, what is it, like the 31st or something like that, which will be like our fancy new year episode um, where we'll kind of be talking about all of these things but pushing into the future a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, mm-hmm. from there we will be, so obviously we are taking next week off and then we are having one episode and in, including, you know, having our special episodes launch that week as well for the end of December. Last week of the month, baby. Woo! You're used to it by now. So are we. You know what? It's a holiday month. <laughs> Let us alone. Yeah. Um, and then we will be taking the first week of January off yeah. because I will be in Iceland mm-hmm. and then we will be back strong for the week of the 13th. Yeah. So... Rolling. We're going to do, um, yeah, we're going to hit yeah. the new year running hard. Yeah, we're so. going to. So if you have anything specific you want us to make sure that we cover in the new year, any ideas for Patreon, anything at all, 
you want to know about Eric's new collection of cable knit sweaters. They're very nice. They're incredible. They're very nice. Yeah. Like everybody's talking about um, Chris Everyone Evans's sweater in Knives about Out. My sweaters. No, no, no. They're talking about Eric's. I have to tell sweaters. them, no, no, don't touch. <laughs> that isn't what's happening. I'm sorry. So Eric and his sweater and I wish you all a really good holiday, whatever it is holiday that you're celebrating, because Hanukkah is real late this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just the same as Thanksgiving was, just the same, whatever. It doesn't matter. Everybody's got our holidays coming up. Take a break. Mm-hmm. Relax. Head on over to Decembo just for a little bit of relief. Yeah, here's a publishing tip. No one's doing anything right now. So yeah. definitely take the time. Take the off time. If you can. Take the time off. Um, yeah. yeah. Stay online. Talk with us throughout the holidays. We're gonna be around because we will also be hiding from our families. Mm-hmm. And we will see you for a regular episode the last week of the decade. The last time that print run hasn't been the thing to listen to Mm -hmm. for the entire decade. Mm -hmm. How lovely. Yeah. 